You've got Tom. You've got, got another, another podcast, podcast coming. coming. All right, so you supplied the beers this time, George. Tell us a bit about what we're drinking. Ooh, we've got Thomas Hooker Brewery. Ooh, I dig it. A little bit northern, more in Connecticut. Ooh, interesting. And okay. It, this is their watermelon ale. Mm. Well, seasonal, perfect for the summer, mm. which we're reaching the end of. Cheers, Cheers Tom. Cheers, George. This feels like a very good end of the summer beer, in all honesty. It does. It's crisp. It's white. I could just drink back maybe five or six of these without flinching. Yeah, I feel that. And you know the thing is, it's got a real. It does have a really light flavor. It's the kind of thing that you know. It's easy drinking. I feel like after. A, I feel like this is the kind of beer that would definitely sneak up on you if you had a few of them. It's the right. Just the exact right amount yeah. of watermelon, I would oh, say. Oh, yeah. Doesn't it's not too overboard, sweet. but you taste it. Yes, it's it's definitely bold. And it's perfect for this time of the year. And George, in case you don't know, in New Jersey, where I live, we are officially entering false fall. And false fall. False fall is when the temperature gets cooler for about a week or two, and then it starts soaring again. And it becomes sweltering shortly thereafter. Oh, your favorite. Oh, yeah, totally. You, you know me, <laughs> how much I love that. So, okay. So, the subject of today's podcast. Yeah, what do we want to talk about, Tom? Okay. So, I think by now most people have heard the news that Priest has been coming back out of the pandemic in full force. They played Bloodstock Open Air recently. That's right. Yeah, which big fans... First show in two years, mm. over two years, I think. Yeah. And uh, they came back with in stunning fashion and played a few songs that have never been played live before, as far as I know. Hell yeah. And there are two lost classics that Judas Priest resurrected for us, and we'll talk about one of them today. Mm. We're going to tell you about One Shot at Glory. Classic painkiller album right there. Just every song on the album is a slap. Yeah, so I have to keep it real with you. I have always loved this song, and I think it's awesome that mm. it's finally getting its moment in the live setting. And fun fact, now that we've reached this point, every song from Painkiller has been played at least once. This was the only one that they never tried. That's fascinating to me. Now... Have they ever come out and said why they haven't played this song live? It seems to me that Painkiller's been, was that album, like 30 years old at this point? Oh, shit, and it is. That album is as old as us, man. Holy shit, dude, imagine that. And these guys were killing it before we were even the light in our father's eyes. So this is obviously very exciting. I mean, like I said before, every song off of Painkiller is a classic, but... One Shot at Glory, I feel like this song is... It's the Lost classic. It is. And it's so fucking Priest in its construction. And I think it's a good toss-up between the new Priest that was coming about when Scott Travis joined the band and the old Priest of British Steel, so to speak. 
Yeah, you know, at this point, Painkillers released in 1990, and British Steel is already a 10-year-old album. Holy so, shit. Man, Priest has been around the block so many times, mm. and they've come a long way in reinventing themselves and staying relevant with the times. Because in 1990, just look who they were competing with. Slayer, Metallica, bands that were a little heavier and faster. And Painkiller was kind of the response to that. And you just mentioned Scott Travis before. They brought him into the fold for this Painkiller album. And he changed the band in a big way with his extensive double bass usage, Mm. which their prior drummers didn't do a whole lot of. No, they didn't. I don't think that um, any of them were up to the task. Just don't get me wrong. Priest has never wanted for fantastic musicians. But Scott Travis just took that band to a whole new level. Their subsequent works, you know, with starting with Painkiller and Onward would not have been possible without his contributions. Sure. And I mean, obviously he's still in the band today. Mm. So I think everyone now sees that he's the guy. He Mm. is the priest drummer. Yeah, I would say so. You mentioned before that this album was a response to the harder, heavier bands that were, that were competing with priest. And Honestly, man, in my opinion, Painkiller blows them all out of the fucking water. Oh, my God. Painkiller is just a classic. Uh, And I think, honestly, they do keep up with the young guys on this album. Not to take away from, you know, all the other awesome bands that were going in that era. But you know what? Painkiller is uh, just, it's fast and heavy all the way through. And then once you get to One Shot at Glory, you get something a little bit different from the rest of the album. And you, here it is. It's the 10th and final track on Painkiller. I think we also have to just quickly cover Battle Hymn, which is song number nine. It acts as a brief instrumental lead-in to One Shot. And if you don't know these two songs, then I do recommend you listen to them back-to-back when you check them out. There isn't a whole lot to talk about with Battle Hymn, so we're throwing it in here. It's just a nice little guitar melody under a minute. And if you've been listening to the album start to finish, it's a little bit of a break in the action. A chance to catch your breath, if you will. thing i love about the interlude before one shot is that they are continuing in the long and storied tradition of standalone tracks comprised of a single guitar and synth that has been a cornerstone of heavy metal for a long time probably starting with black sabbath as most metal is want to do right mm-hmm And, you know, that's a good point. You go to Black Sabbath and you get these little interludes like Embryo on Master of Reality that's like just a minute long. But it's a chance to take a little bit of a relief from all the heaviness that you just experienced. And you also kind of have to consider this was not so uncommon back in the days of records when you had to listen to the entire thing in that order 
You couldn't really skip around with the tracks mm. or fast forward like you can mm. on your computer or your phone or whatever. Yeah, another important thing to remember is that um, the way people consumed music back then was a lot different than it is now. Not that people don't get heavily invested in their music today. It's typically not the activity. You know, sure. you listen to music on your way to work. You listen to it while you're at the gym or while you're, you know, out with friends maybe. It's an interesting thing that people used to sit down and just listen to music. And I'm sure people do that today, but... I do it. Yeah. For the longest time, that was the only way people consumed music. My dad still... That's pretty interesting. My dad still does that from time to time. He'll put on his record player, put on some headphones and lay on the floor and just listen to music. And that's all he'll do is just sit there and listen and be with his thoughts. That's awesome. And he grew up like that. Yes. So... Right before I came over, brand new Iron Maiden album came out today, mm, okay. hit my mailbox, and I smoked a nice little joint. Mm. Uh, I lost my phone, couldn't find it, <laughs> and I said, you know what, this is perfect. I'm just putting the album on. Mm. I'm not letting my phone distract me. Okay. And you know what? It helped me pay a lot more attention and just take more in. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of, and that's the thing, is that, if you're aren't if you aren't distracted by some other task, you really get a chance to be intimate with the music on a level that you can't really do if you're doing and again, don't get me wrong, you can obviously get lost in music while you're doing something else. I would say it's more difficult. It, it is, and it's a much more intimate experience when you are just listening to music and nothing else. You're not doing anything else with your time. Is that how you like to listen to music, too, when you have the time for it? When I have the time for it, sometimes I do like to sit down and I just listen to the music. It's exceedingly rare, though, I will say. I, like most people, listen to music when I'm engaged in other activities, unfortunately. Um, But it's something I definitely want to change. little thing where I just want to sit down and appreciate it for what it is. And I think that... Painkiller might be the perfect album to do it with. There's so much in here that was foundational for heavy metal going forward. That's right. Mm. And Priest had a long, illustrious career. And Painkiller is their 12th album. And for our generation, you know, this is kind of the Priest album Mm. that we grew up with. More so than British Steel, almost, because Painkiller has become such an anthem, and plenty of other tracks have gotten a whole bunch of attention on the live circuit. Mm. So I think the band does know what they have with this album. Mm. And so I guess that's a good segue into saying, if this is such a popular album, then why did it take so long for One Shot at Glory to sort of get its day in the sun? Well, that's the question that I'm most interested in. Do you have an answer? You know, I don't. But it, at the end of the day, not every song gets played live. They mm. only have time for so many. Mm. And I think now there's a chicken and egg scenario where the song is not popular because the Priest never played it live. Mm, okay. And then Priest doesn't play it live because it's not popular. Yeah. Okay. Interesting point. So do you think this is revived interest in the song then? I mean, probably, right? I would say so. And I think that you are definitely seeing some fans 
who are going back and reconnecting with this song that they might not have paid much attention to. And like we said before, as the 10th and final song on Painkiller, there might be a little people just sort of fizzling out at the end because mm-hmm. of their attention spans. Not to put anyone down, it is a lot to ask of someone to listen to 50 minutes of music sometimes if you don't have that much free time. And Painkiller is a assault on the senses in the in, <laughs> yes. in the best way possible though because it just from the very beginning when that double bass comes in and scott travis is just wailing on his kit and then glenn tipton comes in with the fucking tremolo drop on painkiller you know you're in for a ride the start the very second that album starts it grabs you by the balls and it doesn't let it, go you can't get off that roller coaster no. you're strapped in yeah i will never forget the first time i heard metal meltdown i was probably about 14 years old and i think i jizzed in the middle of my um ninth grade science class it was weird it was an otherworldly experience almost because i remember hearing it a kid that I was in class with played it for me. Do you remember when you just gave me all that fucking music on my iPod? Yes, sir. Yeah, so he put that on for me when he shuffled through it. And I remember very specifically just losing all sense of everything around me and kind of just being alone with the guitar solos in the beginning of Metal Meltdown. That was an almost a spiritual experience, I would say. And ever since then, I've been in love with this album. That's awesome, man. So I think that's a good segue into exactly the point that we've been making. You know, there are tons of songs on Painkiller that you love. And this one, you're not as much familiar with. No, I'm not. I think the same could be said with a lot of people. And here's the thing. When you listen to an album start to finish, and if you're looking at the statistics of how many plays there are on Spotify or whatever service, you'll see that a lot of albums, the plays just drop as the album goes on. Mm. And the least played songs are eight and nine and 10 Mm. because people, you know, they're done with it or, you know, they got to go and (laughs) they don't have the time. So, or they're just straight up not interested. Sure. Unfortunate as that may be, And that does seem to be the case, is people just kind of lose interest after a while. But you know what's cool is, like, about them playing One Shot at Glory Live for the first time? There's got to be at least, like, a bunch of fans that are like, holy crap, finally, I've been waiting 30 years for this to happen. And that's got to be a real cool moment for the people that do genuinely love that song. For sure. And I count myself as part of that. Hell yeah. Because... Painkiller is one of the albums that I had when I was very young and I inherited my father's CDs. And that is one of the albums that at age 14 or 15, I was rocking out to. And I always thought One Shot at Glory was a hell of a fun song.
in one of the priest books that I have, it is quoted as saying, Rob indicates this track purposely ends the album on a positive note that after the mayhem of all the songs that came before, our hero rides off into the sunset victorious. Hmm. So it gives you a little bit of something different to close out the album. Mm -hmm. And after you've gone through so much thrashing and just darkness, you get something a little more upbeat and makes you want to feel like you're about to ride into a battle and emerge victorious. It ends on a triumphant note is what you're saying. Absolutely. You know, that's a really good point. Cause you know, I had said before we started the episode that I thought that one shot at glory was kind of one of the weaker offerings on the album. And I have to say with the context you've added and us listening to it previously, I think that I was wrong. I don't really think Painkiller has a weak entry, to be quite honest. With that added context of it being just ending on a triumphant note. It's a great mm. closer. Yes, for lack of a better term, because my brain just went stupid. It's a great closer, and it gives Painkiller that just a teeny bit more variety that, honestly, at the point you reach the end of the album, you could probably use a little bit of variety. Yeah, I mean, you can't just... The thing is, the whole album is such a whirlwind of intense music. It actually does make sense to end it on something that is a little less, shall we say, brash? Sure. Mm -hmm. And you can even hear it in Glenn and KK's leads, Mm. how it really sounds like they're playing something a little more harmonious and uplifting. Yeah. bridge i absolutely love i think it's a tremendous riff and it's the double bass drumming backing it up that gives it that driving forward momentum yeah kk downing and glenn tipton are one of the great guitar duos of i would say in metal history and it really shows on this track just the way that uh glenn tipton is rattling off those lead lines and they now I'm not a music theorist. I'm a musician in some sense. I can't tell you exactly what scales they're using to write that. But it's the scales that make it sound up. Exactly. They're using, like, the it's the construction of the music itself. They really understand what sounds epic. They've got a great sense of scale as musicians. I think they get a harmony together going during that bridge part, too. They do, actually, for a little bit. I... Don't know if that's a major or minor third harmony, but whatever it is, it it sounds phenomenal. It's just classic Priest. You know, Glenn and KK. Classic Glenn and KK. Yeah, exactly, man. Like, you get the sense that these two were, like, back-to-back with each other, just getting it on on their guitars, you know what I mean? Hell yeah. Oh, Although, God. sadly enough, man, 
because this song has never been played live until this year, oh, they didn't get to play it in the concert setting together. Oh, that dude, that just broke my heart a little bit. Yeah, but you know what? It's like we always say, the current priest is carrying the torch, mm. and the show must go on. A, you know what? Priest is a multi-generational band at this point. For sure. And you know... As I remember lo- when Scott Travis was the young guy in the band. Oh, God, And right? now he's 59. Oh, my and, God. And now the young guy is Richie. Yeah. And who knows, maybe the next time someone will <laughs> get someone even younger. I think it's just going to keep going like that, and eventually <laughs> Richie Faulkner is just going to be old, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, man. Now, it's, it's, know, it's an amazing... You know, um, I will say it's amazing, like, just the amount of people that have come in now and they keep going they are still going strong sure so this bloodstock show on august 15th it ended up being the first official date of the 50 heavy metal years tour and they just came rolling right out of the gate with battle him as yeah. their walk-on music and appropriately enough leading right into one shot at glory as the opener with a song that you haven't ever tried live, I think you're really making a statement. You've been off for two years because of the whole, you know what, we're not going to talk about that. Yeah, we're not going to name it. No, no, no. It must not be named. They've been off for two years, and they're back, and this is what the first thing they bring to us live, and I think that's a pretty interesting choice. What a treat, too, honestly, because it shows a few things. You know, we've said in the past that Priest is a band that they've never been stagnant, mm-hmm. and they're still, to this day, just bringing their audiences these incredible experiences. You know, that song has never been played live before. It shows a willingness to grow and adapt and to keep things, like, fresh and new. Right, and for a tour called 50 Heavy Metal Years, it kind of implies that you're digging into your history and that's what they're doing. They are not forgetting some of the forgotten priest classics, mm. and they are showcasing them and saying, hey, this is part of priest too. This is part of our history. We've been doing this for a long time, and there's so much more music than just the usual hits that you've heard uh, hundreds of times before. Yeah. it's So uh, there's... 50 heavy metal years and there's still many years more to go it's just it sends a very Uh, clear signal dude you and me both it sends a very clear signal we're not finished yet that is an awesome note to leave this on couldn't agree more listen friends Mm -hmm. if you haven't heard one shot at glory yet maybe you should 
So until next time, my friends, stay Stay locked locked in and keep defending the faith. faith.